hello and welcome back to Lend Me Your Ears. My name is John Caesar, and I guess we can call this part two from last week because I kind of left you hanging. But uh, I tend to get off, as you've noticed, on these little tangents and rambles, and before you know it, I've talked myself into an hour, and I'm not going to make you sit through a two-hour podcast. I'm just not going to do it. So here we are. Last week, we talked about knowing your numbers. You have to track them. You have to know them. You can if you're still working from a, the front seat of a van. If you are still in the front seat of a van and you, you just don't have the time for it, find somebody who does. Find a CPA, find a CFO, find another business owner, somebody that can help you understand the numbers and track them and, and show you where you're falling short. Because for years, I didn't. And you heard all about that last week, how they can get you in trouble. But so you know, you're, you're learning how to know your numbers, right? Maybe you got some spreadsheets, maybe you got QuickBooks. Uh, you, you have some way to track your numbers. Now, what do they mean? How does one relate to another, right? I talked about call tracking last week. I mentioned percentages, like know your percentage, what percentage of your calls were booked. That's great. What's a good percentage, right? It's one thing to know the number. You look at it and go, okay, 73. All right. Is that good? I don't know. Depends on who you're talking to. I talk to people that if it's not 90%, they're not happy. I talk to people that if it's 50%, they are happy. They're your numbers. So that's the key here is there's so many people on the forums. And even when I consult with people, talk to people, conversations, whatever, they always want to know specifics. What's your numbers? They want to know my numbers, right? What are your numbers? I'm like, my numbers aren't going to help you. Your company is a different size. It's in a different state and a different tax so I don't have taxes up here. That's something that I forget to tell a lot of people. New Hampshire is a income, uh, income tax, sales tax free. So my numbers are going to be different than yours because we don't have to account for things you do. I talk to a company in Massachusetts. It's a completely different conversation because I forget. I drive across the border and forget I have to pay tax. I went to a Patriots game a couple weeks ago and we stopped at a gas station and God, sales tax is awful because <laughs> I forget because I don't have to do it. So when you're talking business to business across state lines, even in the same town, really, you have such a different company. You have a company in Massachusetts and New Hampshire. One of them's run out of their house. One of them has a lease. One of them is 10 trucks. One of them is two. You cannot base your numbers off of the other. You can't. But we do it all the time. We see these posts time after time in the forums. What are you charging for a sweeping? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because here's the thing. If you're going to base your numbers off of somebody else, it's not going to work. First of all, you're either going to charge too little or too much. If you're trying to, if the, how am I going to say this? (laughs) If the other person in your town is charging less than you, what are you going to do? Lower your prices? Is that, is it the Walmart way? I'm going to underbid my competition to get more. That's a terrible way to run your business. You don't want to be the low ball guy. So what are you going to do if his number's lower? Lower yours? I don't know. What are you going to do if it's twice yours? Are you going to double your price because his is twice yours? Based on what, right? We talked about the infinite game last week briefly. There's no measuring stick in business. I can't measure my business against yours number to number. It's impossible. Everything's different. I even price my services different than most people do. We don't charge by, I used to charge by the sweeping. Somebody called up, I have a fireplace sweeping. Okay, $169 for a fireplace, $159 for a wood stove. And I had these like set prices that didn't work for long. 
because I'd show up with a $169 fireplace, but now he's got a boiler in the same chimney and the flue's cracked and I need to inspect it or sweep it. Now what do I charge? It's in the same flue or in the same chimney. Do I charge double? Do I charge a hundred? Do I charge half? I'm literally on a roof at one point in my company's history, sitting on a roof, having that exact conversation with myself. What the hell do I charge these people? What's fair? Uh, $99. Now I'm trying to figure out what's 169 plus 99. And I'm doing math with frozen fingers. And I'm like, this is dumb. And then there was the other way. I need a fireplace sweeping. Okay. 169. Great. I come out. Flu's clean. Maybe they just bought the house. They thought they needed a sweeping. The home inspector said they needed a sweeping, whatever. Maybe they did use it last year, but like twice and they didn't burn a lot and it drafted really well. And there's not a lot of soot in the, or creosote in the flu. There's a lot of what ifs. Now, what do you do? You told them one number, 169 to do what? To sweep it. Right. You get out there and it's clean. What do you do now? Do you sweep it? Do you sweep a clean flu? I've done it. I can talk about that later about why that's not necessarily a bad thing, but do you? Or do you do what I did and say, oh, well, good news. You're, you you actually don't need one. I went up in there and it's really, uh, it's not clean, clean, but you know, I wouldn't eat off it, but I mean, you should be good for another year. I don't want to charge you if I don't have to. And they're like, oh, thank you. You're so honest. It's great. I'm like, awesome. So that's going to be a hundred dollars for the inspection. And they go, what? Well, well, yeah, it's 169 for sweeping and inspection, but it's 69. If I sweep it, it's, it's a hundred for the inspection. It's 169 total. So, so now I didn't sweep it. So you owe for the inspection. They're like, well, you were only here for like half an hour. I'm like, yeah, but it was on your roof. And I was up there and I took a picture of you and they're like, I don't care about a picture. You didn't sweep it. Now you have a fight because you gave one number. I went to that fight for years and I get these calls. I had one customer once he called up and he goes, I'm not paying. And I'm like, why? Cause he didn't do anything. And I looked down and he's been there for an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean he didn't do anything? He's been sitting in the van for an hour and 45? No. I mean, he was up on the roof and in the basement and the attic and he was over in the thing and he looked at the, took a button, but he didn't sweep it. And I'm like, right. But he inspected your chimney for an hour and 45 minutes and you've got a four-story slate roof and he was in your crawl space of a basement trying to, he goes, I don't care about that. He didn't do anything. I'm like, but he did. How do you explain that to a customer? I got sick of it. Honestly, I was like, this is dumb. And I'm not going to fight these fights on the phone after the appointment, at the appointment, not going to do it. So we changed our whole pricing schedule. Now we charge for the inspection first off the top. We're going to inspect your chimney first. All the flues. That's why we ask, how many flues do you have? How many chimneys do you have? What are the appliances? What's going into it? When's the last time it was inspected? What type is your roof? How tall is your roof? We ask these questions because we're going in to do everything. There was a post on Facebook last week about uh, what do you do if you you set an appointment for four sweepings of a fireplace and show up and there's only then they change their mind they only want one that doesn't happen to us <laughs> that's that means you didn't do enough good enough job on the phone is the short answer to that the girls on the phone we ask these questions they get down to the nitty gritty when's the last time your wood stove was inspected wow three years how long you used it how many cords you put through it. Oh, wow. Did you know that the NFPA 211 recommends annual inspections? So we really should inspect that one while we're there, just in case you use it again this year, right? Right. So, I mean, there's no, I changed my mind. I don't only want the one swept. No, because the, the girls have spent 15 minutes on the phone with them explaining the NFPA 211 code and why they should have a wood stove inspected and how creosote forms. That's all part of it. So we had to change the whole way we did uh, 
the pricing. I get annoyed with getting up on a roof for 169 and finding three flus and only inspecting two. And I'm like, okay, so I only did two. So a three flu inspection is this much, but I swept two and this one was, oh, I've seen other people. They charge by the story. You have three stories. It's this much. You have two stories. It's this much. I'm like, what? Like everybody's got their own way. I get that. But how can I compare my business to yours? If you are going to charge by the sweeping, by the story, and I'm going to charge by the flu and add sweep, like it's completely different. So how can you compare numbers? You can not. And I get frustrated. I stopped just commenting on Facebook because I'd be that guy. I'm like, don't do it. First of all, it's against the law. It is. It's price gouging. Because if you're going to compare to the guy next to you or in the next state or whatever, and word gets out that we're out here talking about pricing and you price this and I price that, like I said, what are you going to do then? Raise your price, lower your price, price gouging, it's price fixing, sorry, is what it is. You can't do that. You cannot base your numbers on somebody else. That creates a problem. (laughs) You have to know your numbers, but people don't want to. It's an easy way out. I don't want to learn my numbers. I don't want to learn profit and pull reports and use QuickBooks. So I'm going to use a legal pad and I'm just going to ask people on Facebook what they charge. You can't do that. Come on. We're running a business here, right? Hopefully. So know your numbers. How do those numbers mean? To, what do they mean to you? What can you do with them? I put this uh, also on Facebook on one of these one of these posts. Somebody posted, how much does everybody charge for a sweep? And I'm like, oh, God, here we go again. So I just wrote it out for people. I was like, here, let me, let me help you out. How much does it cost you to do a sweeping? Nobody's asking that question. <laughs> how much does it cost you? So if you're the, the single member owner, right, you don't take a paycheck. So you don't count yourself, most likely. How much do you pay your assistant? $15 an hour. Great. How many hours does it take to do the sweeping itself? One. Good. How far away is the job? What? <laughs> You're charging by the, the house, right? Well, where's the house? How long did it take to get there? Oh, it was a half an hour drive one way. So that job actually takes you two hours, not one. So you've now spent $30 in assistant technician payroll just to do one sweeping. So it costs you 30, not 15. Oh, now it's starting to take shape. Now, if it costs, let's say that all of the jobs for some random reason are all an hour a half an hour apart and it takes you an hour they're all perfect well half an hour one way isn't perfect but i digress thirty dollars how much profit do you want to make well i want to make a hundred dollars in profit okay so is the answer 130 yes no (laughs) how much did it cost you in gas to drive that hour how much did that new set of rods and the new vacuum cost to get there how much is your vehicle insurance per day do you know How much is your vehicle payment per day? Do you know? So it doesn't actually cost you $30 to do that appointment. Cost you gas, cost you insurance, cost you tolls, right? There's a lot more that goes into it. So then once you know your numbers from last week and you understand just how far this rabbit hole goes, then you can go, wow, okay, it actually costs me $75 an hour to do this to work to run this company $75 an hour and it takes me two hours to do that sweeping we're up to $150 now you want to make $100 in profit great $250 see how that works before you're going to do $130 because that's all you needed and you'd go broke like I almost did because I didn't know these numbers I'm telling you about that's how you set your prices what do you want to make doesn't matter if the guy down the street's charging $500 
he might have 10 trucks and a massive warehouse to pay for and a lot of overhead and managers like some people I know. Me. (laughs) Don't base your numbers off of mine. I have way more overhead in a different company set up in a different tax bracket and I'm incorporated, not an LLC. And You can't do that. So stop asking everybody, what do you charge? And don't tell them either because it's illegal, (laughs) first of all. But that's how you set your prices. Now you can figure out things like how many sweepings you do in a day. You're hopefully doing three or four. That's a whole different podcast episode class. That I, Yeah, you should be doing three or four a day. If you're doing six, seven, eight, 10, 12, like I used to, I'll tell you about that in a different podcast, why that's terrible. <laughs> we do three to four and four is stretching it. So take three and a half, three and a half times your 250 because you just come up with 250 based on your numbers, 250 times three and a half. That's how much money you'll make in a day. $100 a sweeping in profit. Now you've done $350 in profit a day. Do you see how the numbers start to make sense and you can start to gauge? You can start to predict. If you know you're doing 350 or three and a half sweepings a day, you're going to average $350 in profit a day after your materials are taken out. This rabbit hole gets so, and we're just talking about one sweeping, single flu, sweeping. You're not talking about a three flu, two chimneys, real estate, level two. We're not getting into that. We're just going off basics. That's how I set my commission structure. So how do I, what do you charge for a sweeping is such a loaded question. And we get it all the time. What do you charge? What do you charge? What do you charge? What are you charging? I used to call people. I would literally be that guy, like getting a burner phone or using my friend's phone and be like calling other chimney companies. Hey, I want a fireplace sweeping. What do you charge? Okay, thanks. Bye. Just to find out what, don't do that. I could care less. I couldn't care less. Is that the right way? Could care couldn't care. I couldn't care less what anybody else is charging. I remember three, four years ago, I think our prices were like 199, 179, something like that per sweeping, per appliance, because that's how I was doing it then. And we went down to Wyndham or Salem, one of those two towns that are on the southern border of New Hampshire, really close to Massachusetts. We were going out for a second opinion. Somebody else came out from Mass. I actually know this company now very well. But anyway, I go down there, didn't really know them at the time. And they said, we want a second opinion on this. We're not really sure. And I was like, okay. Gave them our price. They said, sure, whatever. Two flues, boiler and a fireplace. And we get there. We do our whole inspection. We do our whole estimate. And then she shows me. I didn't ask because I don't want to be that guy. But she hands me the receipt from the other company. And I look at it. $380 for the fireplace that I'm charging $199 for. And I'm like, what? What? Like, I thought $199 was high. I'm like, nobody's going to pay more than that. This, that's impossible. This woman pay, and they did the same thing we did. They charged per appliance. It was like 380 and 330 or something for the fireplace and the boiler. This lady spent like $700 and then paid somebody else. I'm like, oh, no wonder I was, oh, wait a minute. So, And I start doing the math, but don't do that because I'm now basing, I'm thinking of myself less because somebody else is charging more. I'm looking at my company backwards. I was making enough for me. I was making enough to pay my employees. I was making enough to keep my overhead and my bills and my taxes. I had all that, but now I'm getting greedy. Now I'm like, oh, she would pay that, would she? Hmm. Now I'm, and I'm, I had to get talked off the ledge. I'm like, we need to raise our prices. We're going to go to three fifty. They're like, no, we're not. Why? I'm like, but 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 he is. Like, think about how stupid that sounds, right? It sounds like a two year old. He did it first. I want to do it. Don't do that. That's not how you run a company. 
base your prices off of what you need. And if you know your numbers, then you know what you need and you can figure it out really easy. I promise you. But it takes some elbow grease and some fun with spreadsheets like we talked about last week. But back to commission. Once I knew my numbers, once I knew what my profit was, once I knew what I was going to make a day, a week, a month, minus materials, minus payroll, minus job costing, minus all this stuff, then I could play with things like commission. Because now I knew what they should make on a base week. So a base week for us is three and a half appointments a day times five days. Take how much you make or charge, sorry, take how much you charge for that sweeping, subtract your profit from it, multiply it by 3.5, multiply it by five days a week and you get a number. Now you can figure out what a technician would make on an average week where he did nothing but sweepings, which to us is a base week. There should not be a week where my technicians do less than nothing but sweepings. We have enough calls for that. My number came out. I forget what it was when I first did. It was like 687. I don't know what it was. Way more than minimum wage, way more than um, to be making somewhere else. So I'm like, that's the lowest you're going to make here. If I can help it. <laughs> There's, Of course, there are snow weeks and, and rain days and stuff like that that happens once in a while you lose a day lose a day that's the the problem of doing business in a seasonal you know business you have to get on a roof to do this job so there might be days you can't but i'm going to do everything in my power to make sure you get as much work as you can that's the relationship i have with my employees so a base week is just a week full of nothing but sweepings and that's the number i'm like huh now i start playing with percentages i'm sorry i missed that part you multiply your cost by three and a half by five percent you get a big number now start dividing it that's what it was divide it by a certain percentage 12 percent 18 percent 10 percent i don't know what do you want your employees to make that's what the the number means once you figure out what you make in a week on just sweepings then start dividing it by a percentage 15 14 10 11 i don't know I know somebody right now that I've talked to that he has a lower commission percentage and his technicians somehow come out higher than mine. I'm like, I don't know how that works, but it all comes down to your numbers. You have to know what your numbers are or else you can't do things like pay commission or piece rate. You can't because you have no idea what you, I get that that all the time. And I did it the same thing to Mark. I called Mark. I'm like, Mark Stoner. I'm like, you pay your guys commission. What do you, what percentage? And he goes, you can't do that, man. I'm like, but yeah, I, I know that, but I just like an idea. I want an idea. He goes, I can give you a number for an idea, but it means nothing to you. My company's 10 times the size of yours with a warehouse and this and that and fleet and everything. And my number's not going to help you like you think it is. And I didn't understand what he meant, which is what I'm trying to get through to all of you. Now, one number will not tell a story, especially when it's not yours. It just can't. I didn't realize that until way after Mark told me that. I'm like, whatever. I just want a number. I want something to go off of. So we all do it. How much you charge for a sweeping? What do you pay for commission? How much you do that? What do you charge for a cap? Like that, you can't ask those numbers of somebody else. I don't care if they're next door to you or across the country. That number is not going to help you. If you can dig down and know what your profit is, your payroll, your marketing, your advertising, your uh, lease, vehicles, all that. Once you know what you're spending, now you know what you need to make to break even. Now you know what you need to make in profit. Now you can set your prices based on your needs, not the guy down the road. Don't do that. But that was the first thing. Paying commission wouldn't be possible if I didn't know my numbers. Now I can nail it down to the nth degree because now I know you charge this much for the job. Here's how much your materials are. Here's your profit left over. You're going to get this percentage of it. Boom, done. 
right down to sweepings, right down to inspections. They they make a percentage of what they do, not what they sell. We don't sell. It's not about, you know, getting a closing rate or anything like that. You get paid on what you do. Now you find a three flue chimney. The old uh, employees that I used to have, we go out to a three flue chimney and then inspect one because they wanted to go home or they'd be high speed and inspect three, but they didn't want to raise the price on the customer because we didn't ask them how many flus they had. So we didn't know. We just went out there for one and they'd find three and not want to be like, okay, it's actually triple the price. They didn't want to do that. So they'd spend three times the the time on this roof and then charge for one flu. And I'm like, what? You can't. You inspected three. I have three inspection reports. They're like, yeah, but they were really nice. I didn't want to raise the price times three. And I'm like, you're right. That seems like a bait and switch. Right. If you're setting a one flu sweeping price, somebody like I want to sweep my fireplace. Great, one sixty nine, whatever it is, and you get out there and there's three that all need to be swept, and they didn't know about it. And this night you're like, okay, they all need to be swept, and now it's six hundred. You look like you just pulled a bait and switch. You look like a scam. We did. I didn't like it. Neither did my technicians. Now that they get paid based on what they do, whole thing's different. It's up to me to make sure that the table's set for them. Too. If I don't have my office asking the right questions, getting the information, explaining code, explaining, oh, you are selling your home, Mrs. Smith, that means we need to do a level two inspection. We're going to do a much more in depth, blah, 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 blah. Here's the price for that. Can I get a price for level one? No, because <laughs> we're not going to do less than that because you told me you're selling your home. Like that's the the office you have to have. Don't do what they want. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, I can give you a price for a level. Why would you do that? They just said they're selling their house. Don't even entertain that thought. Don't do what they want. Do what you're required to do. You have codes. You have standards. You have regulations. You have AHJ. You have company policies. Do you. Well, the guy down the road, I don't care about the guy down the road. I don't care what he charges. I don't care what he does. I don't care what his vans look like. It doesn't matter to me. Worry about you. You'll be so much better off for it. There's just, I'm getting passionate about this because I see it all the time and I hear it all the time. People are so worried about the other guy. What is he charging? What is he doing? Where does he go? What What do you do about this? What should you do? I know companies right now that I would locally and across the country, I would never copy their pricing schedule, their policies, how they do it, what they do. I wouldn't do it. So don't ask anybody else. Don't base your company off someone else. If you're going to run a business, you want to be a reputable business, whether you're one truck or a hundred trucks, doesn't matter. If you want to run a business, learn how to run a business. <laughs> it comes down to that. You can't sit in the front seat of a truck and, and just make it up as you go. You know how I know? Because I did it. I did it for a long time and it drove, it, it, you don't want to do it. I promise you. Once I got out of a van, once I learned my numbers, once I stopped trying to copy everybody else and worry about everybody else, once I started asking the right questions, once I started working on my business instead of in my business, my company took off. And it, that's the way it, that's that will work for anybody. That's your get rich quick scheme right there is just put a lot of work into it. and It'll work for you. It's not that hard. <laughs> of course it is. So back to the calls being booked. What percentage should be booked? Right. 70%, me, my number, once again, take this with a grain of salt because my company's different. I have to keep saying that. My number is 72. 72% of calls is good for me. How do I know that? Because I've tracked it over the course of two years. I didn't make that number up. I didn't close my eyes and just go, um, 75, no, 72. I didn't do that. I did that because I know that at 72% of the calls that are coming in, we will have enough work booked out to make everybody happy and full. I don't want 90%. If you have 90%, that means you're 
you're booking too much. Brings me back to the other thing that I get very passionate about is the people that want to compete over how far you booked out. Oh God, I hate that. <laughs> if you're if you're booked out four months, it's the same money. We talked about that in a couple of podcasts ago. If you're if you're booked out four months or four days, it's the same money. What does that mean? That means if you know your numbers and you know that you do three point five sweepings a day, you're not going to make more than that a day. You can't. You have just prolonged it. If you make you know let's say a thousand dollars a day. And you booked out four days, you make a thousand dollars a day for four days. You booked out four months, you make a thousand dollars a day for four months. It doesn't go. It doesn't go anywhere. You've just prolonged it. And from a customer service point of view, if right now, actually, my wife did it the other day. She called up to get the HVAC guy out here because our our heater stopped working. She called him up and they said, "Yeah, it's going to be about six days." She lost her mind. She's like, "What? I'm not waiting six days. My heat's not working. Get out here to don't tell your customer. Yeah, I'll see you in four months." That's not good business. I've done it. I told you the story about me and the driveway guy. They didn't even answer the phone. Like, don't don't pretend to run a business if you're going to not answer your phone. And then when you do answer it, say, see you in four months and then be proud of that. Please don't do that. Well, my customers will wait for me. I don't think that's a good thing. Here in New Hampshire, it's definitely not a good thing. If I don't get out to them as soon as I can, they're going to call somebody else. Why? Because it's going to get cold soon. And they need to use their boiler, wood stove, fireplace, whatever it is to heat their home. And if I don't get out there in time, what are they going to do? Wait for me? (laughs) They're going to burn it. They're going to light that thing. They call right now. It's October. Like, hi, uh, Caesar Chimney. I need my my fireplace swept. Okay, well, we'll see you January 3rd. (laughs) They're going to laugh at me. Don't do that to your customers because they're going to go find somebody else. And if they do wait for you, you're doing them a disservice. So how do you fix that? 90% 90% call booking rate, way too high. That means everybody that calls is booking, means your prices aren't high enough, means your schedule is either too full or you're just putting them way too far out. What's 50%? 50% means you're you're pissing off a lot of people. That means half the people that call are like, no. Why? Do you know your call reasons? Do you know why they didn't set the appointment? 50% is good, but 50% of what? 50% of four calls, two and two. Just too small of a sample size. 50% of 100 calls? That means 50 people that called you are not happy with what you had to say or you, how you priced it. Something's wrong, right? So no, that number, if you were to ask me, what's your call percentage? Don't base it off of mine. 72? I didn't come up with it off the top of my head. It took years of going, what is a good call booking? We've had 93% call booking weeks. We've had 40% call booking weeks. We've had them all. What's the number that makes me money? What's the number that makes my technicians happy? What's the number that works? Not my number, because you can, depending on the week, you get a different answer. What's your call booking? <laughs> this week, 40. <laughs> Why? Because I just raised prices. It matters. When matters. So call booking. Let me tell you how that affected me. It was last January, and I went to teach at a class at Mark Stoner's in Nashville. And I'm usually knee deep in numbers and and dashboards and trying to figure out what the numbers are doing. I did not in the middle of January, which I was like, okay, whatever. It's January. We had raised prices twice this, the busy season prior. We just, we got too busy, too much, couldn't handle it, booked out too far. Customers angry. I was like, raise the prices. I I, I don't want to book people out four months. I would rather take care of them while we can and charge a premium because it is peak season. So we charge peak pricing twice. The funny thing was, because I was tracking numbers, 
We raised the prices and I, I hid my head in the sand. I'm like, here we go. This is where we're going to just, the company's going to fall apart. No one's going to pay these prices. We're going to raise it. They're going to say no. And then we're going to be in the toilet. I did it in September of the year prior. And the, the first time I raised it for the first time in September, we went from a 76% call booking rate the week before with like 80 something appointments. The week I did change the numbers, it went up to 91%. We said 130 appointments. I'm like, what? after I raised prices, we booked higher and set more. I'm like, this is nuts. It doesn't stop them in the busy season. Waited another month, had to raise them again. Same thing happened. We got a higher booking rate and more calls booked after I raised it for the second time in the busy season. I'm like, this is insanity. So that's the wave I'm riding come January. I'm like, everybody's saying, yes, we can't turn them away. Just go with it. January comes. I fly down to Nashville. I'm in my own head because I'm teaching classes. I'm in the, the house that Mark built. I'm like, th- my head was not where it should have been. I get back from the training and I sit down at my desk and I'm like, let's see what's going on. And I open up my good old spreadsheets and, and reports and I open up. We had on the second week of January, 92 or 93% call booking, which is really high for January. I'm like, this is nuts. That's where it was when I left. I come back and I look at the two weeks prior, 46%. My like, what happened that week? I was like, the girls have a bad week. Was something going on? Did I miss something? I look at the week after that. 52. Overnight, the calls went from 91 at our highest prices ever. We're char- we're, I'm, I'm at the point where I'm like, I feel bad about how much I'm charging people. And we're booking 91% of our calls. The very next week, 46%. Overnight, the customers decided we're not paying that. I looked through the call reasons and all of them, price too high, price too high, price too high, price too high, price too high. I'm like, Wow. But I missed it because I was gone and I wasn't in the in the mix. I wasn't focused. I lost another week because the very next week, same. It was like 51, 52%. And I looked at the call reasons, price too high, price too high, price too high. I'm like, the customers are saying something and I'm not listening. So I pulled the trigger. I was like, whoa, that's it. It's middle of January. We're not in busy season anymore. The customers aren't happy. Roll it back. And we rolled it back to a, a lower price. And the very next week, 83%. And we just carried that on. I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't track my numbers. You wouldn't think that something like call reasons has to do with prices, but it does. You wouldn't think that knowing a sweeping cost would have to do with paying commission. It does. If you know your numbers, you can do amazing things like pay your technicians better and more accurately. You can do things like change your prices because the customers told you. That's service. You're listening to what they're saying and changing it. And the numbers prove it. 91% to 46, 52, back to 83. Boom. That's how you serve your customers is by listening to them. Something else. We were talking about that um, that spreadsheet that I made up that shows month to month to month and year to year to year. And it shows percentages and overlaps. And I love that spreadsheet. It's my favorite one because I look back. I mentioned it last week, January of 2015. $395 for the entire month. That was it. I used that as a benchmark, not a benchmark. I used that as, you know, to look at and go like, look where I came from kind of thing. It's a really cool number to see. It's the first number, top number. And I've gone from there. And now I have a great company. Yay me. There's another number in there that gets me because we started, of course, going up. You go down 2015, you go from uh, January to February, we made some more money. March, I did a liner, so money's getting bigger. And then April, May, June, the money's going up. And I'm making, I think it was like 16000 19000 20000 And I'm like, woo, 
companies growing. July 2015. <sighs> Bottoms out. $1,436 for the entire month. The story behind that is in July of 2015, I had two employees. I had already hired Jill. She was the first one. And then I had an assistant technician that I was paying, I think, $14, $15 an hour or something like that. And for the month, I made $1,436 with two full-time employees. You can do the math on that on your own to figure out I lost my shirt. One thing I'm very proud of is my employees never missed a check. That was something I told myself when I started the company because I saw how other companies ran it and they were like, oh, we didn't make our goal this week, so I'm going to have to keep some of your check. That's illegal. <laughs> For those that don't know, don't do that. But they did. But I swore I would never. I'm not going to make my employees suffer because I suck as a business owner. So they got full paychecks. I went without. I actually went back when I was doing my QuickBooks and there was like a $2.60 charge or something on my credit card. And my CPA is like, what's that? And I was like, I needed a coffee. <laughs> I had to buy it with my credit card because I didn't have any money because I made $1,400. I was latched on to that story for so long. And it was, it was like a reminder for me of one, I kept my promise to my employees. Two, that this business can change at the drop of a hat. And I just focused on that. I'm like, oh man, I got to remember that. Now keep going. 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019. Now I have this spreadsheet. I didn't have the spreadsheet then. Now I have the spreadsheet and I can see those numbers glaring out at me. And then I followed it across the board. July of all of those years had a trend where we all, you know, you talk about that, uh, you know, up and down of the, your, your revenue. If you have a graph, you can see it up and down and up and down. And winter is like a bottomless pit in New Hampshire because sometimes work just dries up. So we ride that wave of busy season, crashes down a little bit in the winter, and then starts to slowly climb back up. So you think it's just this one consistent up and down, and then there we go. Not so. My chart is a little different. Profit goes up in the winter all the way through December, January, February, March comes back down to earth. April, May, June starts climbing. Rebuilds come in. Summer's here. Good weather's here. People are calling. Estimates from last year. Life is good until July. <clears throat> it happens again. Every year, our July would bottom out. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? So here I am in 2019 looking at this spreadsheet. And I'm like, looking across the board, that percentage or that uh, trend happened every year where June would be just great balls to the wall. And then for some reason, July would just, and I'm like, what? People aren't thinking chimneys in the summer. They're just not. It's July, right? In New Hampshire, July is the hottest you're going to get here. You got beaches, you got summer, you got festivals and fairs and vacations and kids are out of school. And I mean, nobody's thinking about chimneys in July in New Hampshire. They're just not. And my company would suffer for it because that 1436 from the first year, we might have made more in 2018, 19, short money wise, but the same problem is still happening. I still have a company full of employees that were just working their tail off in June just to go to a screeching halt. And they're like, what do we do now? Didn't matter if it was two or 10, same problem, same problem. It hurts. So I'm like, we got to fix this. How are we going to fix this? What am I going to do? How am I going to get people to call us? in July. <laughs> that sounds like it. it's impossible. So I started looking around. I don't remember how I got to it, but I ended up with TV commercials. I called them up and I was like, how much does it cost to get on TV? And I threw up when she told me, and then I called her back. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding? So I talked to her. 
the the sales rep from the local TV station here, and she kind of talked me off the cliff. She's like, okay, this is normal. And she, of course, she has the stories of, I did this for this other guy, and this other guy started in his basement in his garage, and he's now huge. And you see that guy with 100 trucks. He was my client back when he was working out of a shoe. Like She had those stories, and I'm like, sure, whatever. She was right. I believed her, and I'm glad for it because I took money I, I shouldn't have spent and I put it into something as as ridiculous as TV commercials in the summer for chimneys. And wouldn't you know it, it fixed it. It worked. Our Julys since then have stayed on track with our Junes and our Augusts or have done better than every year and it's grown ever since. I don't make a business decision like dropping tens of thousands of dollars on TV commercials in July if I don't track my numbers. Just seeing that trend, growth to growth, month to month, week to week, year to year, seeing that one day you sit back and all of a sudden a trend will pop out. Why is it doing that? What? That's odd. That happens every March. That happens every December. That happens. Why does it do that? And you just, you you hone in on it. And I did. July, bottomless pit for us for some reason, just every year, bottom out. Turned around and spent way more money than I should have on something I never thought of. And lo and behold, now our year is flat. It doesn't do what it used to do, but I don't know that if I don't track my numbers, which brings us to what I teased at the beginning of last week, which is the big mistake that I made. So I talk a big game. Here's all the things I do is all the mistakes I made. Here's how great this is. I also suck too. Don't forget that I'm not a good money manager, business owner. I still get distracted. I still go off on tangents and that happens. Happened to me this year. I remember talking to Mark Stoner years ago at a convention about labor. We were talking about payrolls, like saying the same thing, asking the same questions. What's your numbers? What's this? What's that? I'm surprised he didn't just walk away from me because I had those same questions. How do you do this? What do you do that? And he said, well, my labor's kind of high. I pay more than most. And he gave me a percentage. And I'm like, well, mine's actually pretty close to that. And he goes, oh, okay. So we're on the same page. I'm like, all right, we finally got a number that matches here. So my payroll has always been relatively high. Uh, Mark has talked in the past about his how he does his uh, his pricing for it. His is completely different than mine, but he tries to keep his payroll around 25% of overhead. And the way that he does it, it works because he can keep it where it needs to be. Beautiful system. Me, I like to take people's ideas and twist them until they work the way I want them to. It didn't work that way. <laughs> I got around 30%. And I was happy with that because I knew my numbers and I knew that at 30%, I still make money. The company's still happy and I can pay everybody a lot of money it works. So for the longest time, I just kept this number in my head of 30%, 30%, 30%. My labor is 30%. I probably even said it in some of my podcasts back. I don't remember. My overhead or my, my payroll is 30% of my revenue. Great. Until this year, I start promoting people left and right. I've now got managers that have come out of the field. I talked last week about how I come up with how to pay them. I've got profit sharing bonuses. I've got commissions. I've got, uh, I've overhired my, my technicians. I've talked about how we have what we call floaters. We have one assistant technician per van. And then we have two to three, depending on when we are two to three, uh, assistant leads or assistant assistant technicians, but they're just a third hand. You can go out and they can help you with something you need help with. You need a third set of hands. You need four hands. You take two of them. Like we just have these extra people. So I've overhired, I've overpaid and I've promoted to now I'm paying people to not make money. That seems like a recipe for 
fantastic, right? It's going to be great. It was because I knew what should be in my accounts. So we talked about the profit buckets. I knew what those numbers should look like. And I knew when money would get over that certain number, I was good. This year, the money never made it to that number. My magic number that I have in my account. We just would get really close. Really, I'm like, oh, we almost have some money we can put in the profit account and it's gone. <laughs> I'm like, what? We can't. Why can't we make any money? So I start looking into job costings and I start looking into material costs because that happened too. This year, COVID ruined everything as far as manufacturing. We had three or four different price increases from almost all of our manufacturers. Oh, 7%, 10%, 12% across the board. I'm like, great. So on top of paying more, now I'm paying more for my materials. Just everything's going up. And for some reason, we can't make any profit. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? So I did what anybody else would do. I raised my sweeping prices. <laughs> I was like, this will this will work. Because now we're charging more to go out there. Long story short, I didn't raise my repair costs. I know. I these are, This is what I mean. I know my numbers. I know that sweeping is a loss leader. I know that material costs have gone up. I know that I have overhired and I have too many people working for me for the work that we do. I know that I have people I'm paying a lot of money to not make money. I know all of these numbers. I never equated repair prices to, I don't know why, to blind spot. It doesn't, it makes total sense saying it now. You're probably like, why would you raise your sweeping prices? That does nothing. Would you make $50 three times a day? Woo, right? I didn't see it either. So I didn't for almost, well, two years, three years, at least two and a half years, I haven't raised my prices. I did raise them back when I finally started to learn my numbers. And I we talked about that last week, how when I saw what the job actually cost, then I set my prices accordingly. So that was our first real price increase when it came to repair jobs. But that was it. Never raised them since because I didn't want to be that guy. I'd rather raise, I talk a lot about, and that's what I mean when everybody talks about, what what do you sweep? What do you sweep? What do you charge to sweep? Who cares? Don't, (laughs) please don't base your company off your sweeping prices because I did this year and I'm eating my shirt for it. Raise your repair prices. I know now, (laughs) a little too late, that what I thought was 30% of my overhead (sighs) turned out to be 51% of my overhead. My payroll when I actually sat down and equated the right numbers where they were supposed to be and, and computed the correct way, when you match apples to oranges, I was paying 51% of my overhead when it was supposed to be 30. What I even I have a whole spreadsheet that I have uh, that I give out to uh, consulting clients. I'm like here's how you figure out your payroll, and it takes all of your your pay times your hours and your employees, and it adds in taxes and it divides it. And I you know I know what I make by the minute and by the hour and by the day, and I know my numbers. I didn't know what the numbers meant, so I know what my average payroll is every week. I know what that number is. I see it every week. I look at it every week. I'm like, that's my payroll every week. And I'm proud of it. Like, there we go. My guys make good money. Great. I also know what we were making every week. My gross revenue per week. I knew what that number was. Never in my mind did I go, that's half of that. (laughs) It just didn't click in my head. I don't know why. So I had to do it last week. Middle of busy season. I've already raised my sweeping prices twice again this year. Raised them twice last year. Raised them twice again this year. Still can't cull the herd. I'm getting people calling left and right. Call booking rates are through the roof. It's working. It's great. I never raised my repairs. So I went in, pulled all of my pricing out, 
did some quick uh, spreadsheet math, did a quick price increase, put it back into the system. But the problem is we're already booked out six, seven weeks with repairs, with old pricing. This this change doesn't take effect overnight. The sweeping prices does, but yay, the loss leader goes up a few bucks. No, my repair prices are now cemented and people are expecting us to go out and work for these prices. I'm like, oh no. So last week, my office is complaining. And they said, hey, we have nowhere to put anybody. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, we're booked out so far that people are calling with estimates from last year, this spring, this summer, last week, and we don't have anywhere to put them. We're having to put everybody on next year. I'm like, no, these are jobs we could do now. We're not talking about have to do because of of weather. These are jobs we should be able to get to, but we're booked out too much. I said, here's what we're going to do. We raised, we've all done this too. We've all dealt with going somewhere in price, like the dollar store right now, they're raising prices. Everybody's raising prices right now. I was like, everybody's used to it. It's COVID. So we're just going to, we're going to take the, the punch to the jaw. And whenever somebody calls up and says they want to book an estimate, be like, I'm sorry, but since January, since July, since last year, prices have gone up and this estimate is no longer valid. We're going to have to give you a new estimate. My office is mad at me again for a different reason now. <laughs> now I've put them in the firing line. Now you call up with an estimate from three months ago and you're like, hey, can I get this done? Yes, but our prices have gone up. Hang on, please, while I put together a whole new estimate with our new pricing and send it back to you. And some of these estimates, depending on what was being done, they're going up a lot and customers aren't happy. So I got my office not happy. I got my customers not happy. <laughs> I have my managers not happy because where's that profit bonus this quarter? Sorry, <laughs> we don't have it. Because I didn't pay attention to my numbers. All the, the the advice that I'm giving, I'm really good at giving advice. I know it should be done. I'm not good at following it. <laughs> knowing your numbers is half the battle. The other half of the battle is knowing what to do with those numbers. It's knowing what those numbers mean, what they should do. Don't just say, I'm a million dollar company. Don't just say, here's what I charge. Don't just say, don't just throw buzzword numbers out because you might impress a few people here and there. That's great. If that's what you're trying to do. If you want to run a real company, it sucks. You're going to know numbers you don't want to know. I haven't even talked about waste numbers. Waste is the true loss leader. Once you start tracking what your company wastes, you won't brag anymore. (laughs) It costs money to make money. It also costs money to lose money. Know your numbers. Sit down with a CPA, a CFO, somebody with some kind of an anagram for their name. Talk to another business owner. Call a coach or consultant or talk to somebody and be like, hey, help me. What do I do? How can I figure this out? I actually have all of the spreadsheets, all of the forms, all the things that I talk about on here. I have in a folder that I give to my consulting clients when they come in. I'm like, hey, you want to do this? Here, follow this. Do that. I can show you what I did. My goal is to make you do it better than me because I'm still making mistakes. As I'm <laughs> telling you right here, I went half the year this year without ever raising my prices along with our, I mean, I raised labor. I raised everybody's uh, raise, uh, raised everybody's wages across the board because we had to raise how we're hiring. Right now, right down the street from me is a Burger King. Burger King is hiring for $15 an hour. How am I supposed to hire for a chimney company at the same you can make at Burger King? I can't. I had to raise my hiring. Now we hire at 20. I got three phone calls the night I did that. I put on a Facebook and Indeed. And that night I got three phone calls from three technicians who went, well, uh, excuse me, <laughs> I don't even make 20 yet. And you're hiring for it? 
that's not fair. I'm like, you're 100% right. I was waiting for that. I wanted to see what happened. They called me on it. My my newest employees have my cell phone number and can call me and go, what the bleep, boss? Because that's the kind of company I've run. I'm not going to screw you over and let you just you know not be able to say anything. So they did. They called me like, what? And I said, you're right. So I gave the entire company a raise this year. It's proud of it. That's the kind of culture that I run in my company. I'm very proud of that. And I told people and I put it in uh, podcasts and Facebook posts, raise my labor raised my hiring, raised my material costs, raised my sweeping prices, raised everything but where I actually make my money. And I paid for it. (laughs) We didn't make nearly what we should have this year, and that's on me. We're probably going to fall short of our goal this year that we set, but that's on me. So please take what I've been telling you for the last two weeks. Don't just throw around, you know, we talk about buzzwords. These are buzz numbers. Don't throw on a buzz number like it's going to impress somebody. You want to impress somebody, turn those numbers into growth. Turn those numbers into success. Turn those numbers into what you want your company to actually be. Don't just talk about what it is. And this goes way back to my mentor and the guy that I have followed, and I mentioned probably way too much every podcast, Mark Stoner putting it out there, he had a million-dollar company, which a lot of us would love to have. I want to have a million-dollar company. Great. He had one that costs him more than he made. And he had to shut his entire company down and start over. I remember I used to like have a little bit of pride in that. I'm like, pride that I didn't have to, but also humility in the fact that he put that out there so I didn't have to, or I could see it coming. I'm like, man, he had to shut his entire company down, fire everybody, go back out with just his son. And I'm looking over at my two sons. I'm like, that could happen to us at any minute. But thank God I don't have to because I learned that lesson from Mark's book. So I thought, then this year happened. And I'm like, if I was a worse business owner that wasn't paying attention and still couldn't get my head out of my own way, I very well could have the same thing. I'm very close to doing what he did, overextending myself, spending more than I make. That's not how to run a company. Even with mentors and books and podcasts, it only works if you do it. Don't just talk about it. So learn from me. Don't make these mistakes. Learn from Mark, read books, podcasts, TED Talks, whatever it takes, but educate yourself. Turn yourself into the business owner you want to be and learn from my mistakes. (laughs) So here we are. Part two went just as long as part one. One of these days I'll learn how to stop talking so much, I promise, but not this week. Thank you all so much for lending me your ears. 